Welcome! You found the Out of the Ordinary Podcast. This is the place where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And a few of my favorite ordinary fall things are the crunch of leaves under my feet, the smell of fires, and the return of my favorite TV shows. Lisa Jo, I love pumpkins on the front porch, candles on the dinner table, And a new mystery novel from the library. Oh, those are good. (laughs) Are you ready for today's conversation? Because get comfy. Here we go. You know, Christy, one of the things that makes me laugh these days is that my 14-year-old son almost every day now says to me, just a few more days, mom. Just a few more days till our favorite show comes back. Oh, <laughs> because here we are in fall, the season of the new series, you know, the new season of TV shows that's is kicking true. back on again. That's and true. I have raised that boy right to anticipate TV. <laughs> <laughs> that That is one of your favorite it ordinary is. things. And we haven't talked it about is. it yet. TVs, it. movies, visual stories. All of stories. those things. All, any form of storytelling is my favorite. Mm. I, I mean, I come by it honest. My mom like you, was an English teacher. Mm-hmm. She said she studied English and Latin, and she loved stories. She loved movies. She was constantly late. I have a vivid memory to pick us up from high school because she would have seen if she could sneak in a movie in the Aww. middle of the day. <laughs> and then we'd, she'd show up to pick us up late, and we would say, you have popcorn breath. You totally smell like popcorn in movies. You went without <laughs> us. It's so unfair. Aww. And she would, I mean, she's notorious for having taken me out of school because there was an important movie that I needed to Aww. see. So I maintain that. I have taken my kids out of school occasionally to go to the movies. How fun. That's a great, I like yeah, that family it's tradition. A, and it's like a shared language, yeah. especially with teenagers now. I find that this, the story of movies or TV shows or books too, is just a really great way to access deeper truths mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I want to talk to them about without sounding like I'm lecturing or nagging. Yeah. I don't know if it works as well in our family, although we try. We we have uh we we've been calling it for years family movie night. So it's mm-hmm. meant to be Friday night. Right. Jonathan always makes pizza for us. Right. We have family movie night. Over the years, it I would say has evolved or devolved <laughs> <laughs> into pizza and kids go watch a movie and I slink away to read my book. Yes. So last Friday, my oldest, my teenager, actually complained about that and said something in the kitchen of you know, we call it family movie night, but it's not really family movie night. Can we all just sit on the couch and watch a movie? And at first my heart was warmed and I thought, how lovely. <laughs> and then uh, she left the room to go, you know, argue with her siblings about what movie they would watch, right. which is also what we, our other Friday family tradition. <laughs> and I said, I, it sort of hit me. I said to Jonathan, you know, John, I would like family movie night if we could watch a classic or, you know, if I could introduce the kids to, you know, maybe a childhood favorite. I said, but what you want to bet they're out there choosing the next cartoon. <laughs> and I'm not so, you know, I'd rather read my Agatha Christie novel, right. but we try, we try. It's it's hard. And I find, especially, I think your kids like mine now are at in-between ages. So you have, you know, a range of like seven through to 15, 16. Yeah, 7 to 16. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's a big swing in terms of what they are capable of processing, what they can watch with you. And if you're wondering, like, where is this going? (laughs) Yeah, just welcome because we're going to have a conversation today since we're heading into fall and all the new seasons on TV and movies and books. We're going to go there. We're going to talk movies. We're going to talk TV because these are some of our ordinary favorite 
ordinary things. And we know they are for you too, because it's a large part of the storytelling culture here in America. And we love stories. I love movies. I love TV shows. I grew up on them. And in so many ways, I really do see the world through like Aaron Sorkin glasses or, (laughs) you know, BBC Masterpiece Theater glasses. Oh, it's true. Or, you know, Lisa Joe, I do that every time I go visit um, our little, the little, I call it a village. It is. It's a little village that we live in. And um, sort of the center of the little village is a restored, um, it was the old train station. So the train lines still run through, but the train station is no longer a passenger station. So the station itself has turned into the library and like yeah. the police department. And next to it is um, our little Mexican bakery that we love and a little ice cream shop. So anyway, with the library, I'm mm-hmm. there all the time. And I kid you not, every time I drive my car down the hill, park by the train station, a part of me is thinking, I'm in an Agatha Christie novel, <laughs> and I'm about to catch the 240 to London. And that will be super important as I establish my alibi uh, for, <laughs> for the jewel heist that is about to, you know. <laughs> like, there's a part of me that is always it thinking out. that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That's so <laughs> funny. That's so funny. I love it. Yeah, I think there's... You know, that's why TV is so huge and why we all as a culture watch certain shows together and Mm -hmm. then all talk about them Mm -hmm. because, you know, there's no episode of Friends that can come on on TV that I haven't seen or can't quote from because (laughs) that is my entire college years, Mm -hmm. you know, college and grad school was all surrounding the TV show Friends. There are certain movies that I look back on and I can remember exactly what I was doing when Mm -hmm. that movie came out. So we just share today as we unpack some of the movies and TV shows we love. We hope, as always, to draw you into unpacking really the deeper stories below those movies, why they move us, why we think they're important. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll leave it up to you since you're grownups to discern whether those sound like your cup of tea to use an expression (laughs) that feels appropriate for us because some things might not be. And that's totally fine. Um, I think we all have to discern along with the Holy Spirit what's good for us, Mm -hmm. what's edifying Mm -hmm. for our souls and what speaks to us. And you know what? What doesn't? And just give that a pass right along guilt-free. So we think, you know, with Christy's background, as an English professor, I feel like this is kind of those things, right? You take books off the shelf and say, Mm -hmm. okay, I think you're ready for this. Let's talk about this one. Or, you know, when I think about my mom and my brothers, actually, I don't know if anyone knows this about me, fun fact about Lisa Joe, my two brothers who are still in South Africa own a movie and film production company together and have produced TV shows and movies for years now and actually have done really well. Um, It's a small community in South Africa, but Joshua and Luke's company, which is called Rouse House Productions. Their last name is Rouse. It's my maiden name. Um, But every year ends up winning the South African equivalent of Golden Globes for different things, whether it's direction or production or, you know, best actor or screenplay. But it's been so fun. And so in our family, there really is this tradition of seeing the world through great movies. Mm. My brother, Josh, has this really funny habit. He rewards himself when he's working on a script or he's editing for a show um, his reward once he's accomplished a certain amount of editing is to let himself watch movie trailers. Really? Not even the whole movie, just the trailer. Isn't uh, that so random? Wow. And he just wow. loves it. He Things loves I would movie never trailers. Think to do. Yes. That's and great. he'll just watch tons of them. And I think it's because as a director and movie maker himself, he's sure. interested in how did you give the teaser of the story, yeah. right? In the yeah. same way that as writers, we think through, you know, the back cover matter of a book like yeah. what's the part that we use yeah. to you know draw people into reading this book yeah. joshua loves movie trailers he and i love certain actors and so like that certain actors 
are very funny on like late night TV shows, right? <laughs> like some of them are just dumb to listen to, yeah. but some are very whimsical and funny. And one of our favorites by far is Ryan Gosling. Ah, He is very quirky on TV shows and he just has sort of this air about him of an everyman who somehow became a celebrity but didn't actually want to be one uh, and is constantly like trying to remind people that there's nothing famous about him. <laughs> and so I will, Joshua and I will constantly email back and forth links of, did you see this Ryan Gosling interview? Have you watched this one? Because he's so weird. Like he tells the story, Christy. <laughs> it's so weird. He says how when he was growing up, his dad had this business, like the side hustle, where he sold um, cling wrap, you know, like saran wrap. That wow, you, that's that, odd. <laughs> it's very weird. And his dad had bought like this huge stockpile of saran oh, wrap and could not move it. That's already so funny. It, it's like, so he's telling the story, right? And I think it was Jim on Jimmy Kimmel's show. And Jimmy's face has got this look like, where is this going? And you can tell like a lot of times celebrities have prepped, you know, the host knows which funny story they're going to tell. You could tell by his face, he was thinking like, what is happening right now? As Ryan is telling about how his father would then give Ryan, little like 12-year-old Ryan, cling wrap to go and like hawk at school. Like to ask <laughs> his peers, do your parents need cling wrap? <laughs> and he said like, sometimes he'd sit up in front of the grocery store, like he'd be trying to sell the stupid cling wrap. And he said he had this fantasy that someone would just come along one day and be like, I'll take it all. I'll take it all. I'll just buy all your cling wrap. <laughs> So he tells the story about how he himself, now famous Ryan Gosling, um, was at the grocery store one day. So, you know, this must have been a couple of years back when he told the story, but he had been to the grocery store and there's all these Girl Scouts selling Girl Scout cookies. No. Yes. No. You know where this is going, I right? I do and I love it. And no. so there's this huge amount of Girl Scout cookies and he said he just realized now's my moment to like live out my dream. And he said to them, I'll take it all. And he's like, I just bought all of it. I bought all of those cookies. And so the whole audience is cheering and applauding. And he's like, wait, wait. What you don't realize when you do that is that you will then have all of all those the cookies, cookies. <laughs> and you have to try to fit them in your car. And your car is now full of hundreds of boxes of Thin Mints and Girl Scout cookies. Aww. And he's like, and then in my mind, sort of to live out my continuing dream scenario, I thought, how fun would it be to just like throw Girl Scout cookies out of the windows <laughs> to people. And he goes, but I hadn't really thought it through. And really what happened is what that boils down to is you have like a creepy older Stranger man right, right? just yelling out the window of his car, do you want Girl Scout cookies? <laughs> Without the context of the grocery store yeah, no behind good. you. Uh, and it is one of the funniest stories to hear uh, him tell that. I laughed so hard. And I just, I love him so much because he talks about the dysfunction of fame. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's quite outspoken about it in the past. And in one of his other interviews, he, he talked about how when he made the movie The Notebook and mm -hmm. then became like America's, you know, overnight heartthrob, how strange that was for him. Mm -hmm. And how in Hollywood, people don't really have jobs except for maybe a few months a year and the rest of the time you're famous. And so he says in this interview, after he became so famous after The Notebook, it was so disorienting for him. 
and he didn't know how to ground himself. And so in order to maintain his sanity, he went and got a job in a sandwich shop. No. Yes. And he said it was just so good to wake up in the morning and know I have to be there at nine and start making sandwiches. Wow. And so he worked at the sandwich shop for a few months after that movie. And he said it really helped him just mm. be a person still who had mm. to show up and help other people. And then he says... I just think Hollywood would be so much better off if celebrities were required to have jobs. Even if he's like, it could be real simple. There's just like a pile of rocks and they were just told, you just have to move this pile of rocks over there. Wow. And all day, all they did was move rocks because it would give you more purpose yeah. than just being famous. Isn't that interesting? I feel like that's a very out of the ordinary Theory. wisdom, right? Yeah. Because we're always telling these stories to remind ourselves that we are grounded, we are rooted, mm. we are you know, almost held by our very ordinary routines right. and rhythms and activities. So to hear it from him, Isn't I think that it, is, special? it is true. Wow. How he just doesn't buy his own hype or his mm. own press. And so my brother and I always are emailing back and forth Ryan Gosling <laughs> interviews to one another. But it's because we love movies. We love them. Like we have an unhealthy relationship, I admit it. <laughs> like my dad, I remember he was notorious. If the movie started at 8.15, We'd finish supper around 8. And at 8.10, he'd be like, anybody feel like going to a movie? And we would just like pile in the car. Wow. So it really was your whole family. Oh, yeah. Like all the time. And largely, it was a lot of the time after my mom had passed away. So there's my dad with his three kids. But it was this impulse thing. So to this day, I just don't mind being late for a movie. I kind of enjoy walking in maybe 15 or 20 minutes in. Really? Yeah, because it gives you a feel for like, what have I missed? Can I figure out the mystery? What's happening? Wow, Lisa Joe, that's like my nightmare. Weird, right? (laughs) Yeah, that that essentially would just ruin it for me. And for me, it kind of adds, like, if I'm flipping through channels or I'm starting Mm. a new TV show I don't know much about, I will often, like, skip forward because I feel like that preamble can take so long. And it's more challenging sometimes when you're halfway in to figure out, like, what did I miss? That's cool. I like knowing that about you. That's very cool. Right. So now I have these kids of mine who just, you know, love a good story. And I think... As parents, we all have unique ways of communicating the gospel. And, you know, my dad, one of the other things he did is every night of my childhood, he sat down at the dining room table and read from the Bible to us Mm -hmm. as long as I can remember. And, you know, it had both positive and negative. I think in the positive, I, I know so much about scripture. I've read I mean, the whole Bible, I just, there's so much of the Bible that's just in my bones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, to the negative, I feel like there's a part of me that's resistant now to that routine. Hmm. What what feels what can feel like monotony to me that feels like obligation or mm-hmm, duty. Mm-hmm. I don't think I appreciate it in the same way. So we've never curated that for our family. Mm-hmm. That isn't what we do. But I tell you what, we talk movies. And mm-hmm. I have found for me. It has been a shortcut into my kids' hearts to unpack movies. We do it with song lyrics, too, to pause the song and say, what were they saying here? What do you think? Because my kids will roll their eyes if you ask them this question. <laughs> Anytime they bring me a TV show, a movie, a book, a cartoon strip, a game, a video game, you name it, a mm-hmm. song on the radio, my first question to them, and they will repeat this to you, is what does it preach to you? Oh, I like because that question. Because I yeah. know that everything is preaching something. Good, everything good. is. Beyonce's Instagram is preaching something. Yeah. You know, Kim Kardashian is that. preaching something. Yeah. yeah, so Jackson will be like, have you heard this new song? And then I'll be like, I love it. What's it, 
what's it? And he's like, I know what's it preaching. What's it preaching? <laughs> ah, always what's it preaching. And then I'm like, yes, what is it preaching to you? Yeah. Because I want my kids to know that we can't just be passive recipients mm-hmm. of what we hear or see. Mm-hmm. There's always an agenda. And we have to figure out because everything, everything in culture is screaming, follow me, yeah. follow me. And we have to figure out, well, are we following you toward Christ or away from him? Mm-hmm. And I want us mm-hmm. to pay attention to that, by which I do not mean that I think we can only consume Christian content. Right. I was just thinking as you asked that question that we might often be quite surprised by the vehicles <laughs> right. uh, that are preaching things that actually are good and true. Right. Quick break, Lisa Joe. We love to shine a spotlight on friends of the show. And this week, it's our privilege to tell you about a new book called Women of Courage, a 40-day devotional. Lisa Joe, I feel like Bible reading is one of those ordinary practices that forms our lives in extraordinary ways. And the best devotionals, I think, help us encounter Scripture in the context of story and relationship. And this new devotional does exactly that. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about it? I mean, we just love what our friends at Encourage put out. I was their community manager for seven years, and I just believe in my bones the way they see faith as part of our ordinary daily life. And this devotional is a beautiful illustration of that, because these are not the Sunday school lessons of your childhood. No catchy phrases or flannel graph dolls here. (laughs) When they were looking into the women that they wanted to feature, these 40 women, they opted out of surface-level stories and simple platitudes. And instead, they really dug into the deep, nitty-gritty of these women's lives. So we've got women that are well-known, like Ruth or Elizabeth, Mary and Martha, but then lesser-known women whose names I'm not even exactly sure how to pronounce, Shifra, Pua, Lois, and Eunice. This devotional will walk with you through the hardest days and leave you with the courage you need to lead, to love, to trust, and to turn to God in every situation. All right, for the next month, this devotional is available for a buy one, get one promotion. That means you buy one, you get one free. You can find that deal, plus a free pack of Encourage greeting cards on dayspring.com. You can also take advantage of the buy one, get one on lifeway.com. So listen, you guys, this is such a beautiful thing with Christmas ahead of us and Thanksgiving. This is the season to look for new ways to speak life and strength into the women you know. Go to dayspring.com or lifeway.com to take advantage of the deal. Thanks to the generous sponsorship of podcast partners like Dayspring, we are able to take a buy one, give one away approach to podcast ads, which means that every paid spot you hear will also shine a light on an artist, author, or event that Christy and I believe brings something beautiful to our listeners worth hearing about, whether they have a marketing budget or not. This week's pick is a visual feast. Lisa Joe, I'm so happy to shine a spotlight this week on a beautiful, free seasonal resource called The Cultivating Project. The autumn issue just went live at thecultivatingproject.com. Published only four times each year, The Cultivating Project gathers writers, artists, photographers, and others to celebrate all that is good, true, and beautiful in each season. I encourage our listeners to check it out online for its thoughtful writing, the deep interviews with creators like Andrew Peterson and others, and Maplehurst, my home, even makes a guest appearance. Click through the link in our show notes. Now, back to our conversation. So, you know, Lisa Joe, I don't, in some ways, I guess I, I don't share this love of movies as one of my favorite ordinary things. I tend often 
to think, oh, do I want to watch this movie or should I, is this just time wasted that I could spend on my book? (laughs) (laughs) So I often make the calculation toward, you know, reading, but I do love reading mysteries, which means that uh, my favorite thing to watch and the TV that I do watch is pretty much exclusive to murder mysteries, which I know if that's not your thing, you might think, oh, the, really? Our lovely garden, gardening <laughs> Christie, like in her lovely floppy hat right. out in the garden, tends toward a good murder mystery. Right. So I did just recently share with my older son, um, you know, my kids will often come up and say, mom, what are you reading? And more often than not, I have to tell them I'm reading a murder mystery. <laughs> and I always have this twinge of like, ah, how do I explain that to my kids? Right. I'm reading about murder. And they always, they, they do, they still respond with like, really? Mm, <laughs> Another mm. book, book about killing? <laughs> but I watched um, Murder on the Orient Express with my older son, which is, I'm sure many of you know, it's a classic Agatha Christie story. And you story. watched this most recent and version? And I watched the most recent version. So I, you know, I won't get into comparing versions. And, you know, there's so many great adaptations out there of Agatha Christie. But I feel like for my son and and for my kids who tend to be, as kids often are, I think as, as we just are, as we grow, we tend to be maybe suspicious or not so accepting of the things our parents are pushing right. on us, right? Yes. So I often feel like my kids are skeptical when I recommend a, a movie or a yes. book or, yes. you know. Um, but so I had a feeling that the latest, which would be sort of a flashier film version right, of right, Murder right. on the Orient, Orient Express might be, you know, the thing to draw him in. And so we watched together and enjoyed it. And it was a lot of fun for him to to sort of watch him encounter the genre mm. for the first time because it is, it's a genre Absolutely. and it has its conventions. Yes. And they're conventions that I am so familiar with, yes. you know, the cast of suspects and, you know, here comes the detective and... Who the so-called bumbling detective yes, who you right, think doesn't right. know what he's who doing. Looks like, and then people are right. surprised. Oh my goodness, right. this man's yes. a genius. Right. And it was so fun to just sort of watch him like finding his sort of almost like he's learning that language yes. that I know so well. Mm-hmm. And this is his his first encounter with it. So we did I don't know if I made a convert of him. It's okay if I didn't. Mostly. <laughs> but uh but we enjoyed it. We had a good time. So I guess, you know, as we continue our conversation talking about, you know, favorite ordinary things and the stories that speak to us, it might be good for me to unpack a little bit. Like, what is it about murder? Why? Right. Why? Well, you know, there's an interesting sentence about parenting, and I'm, I'm sorry that I can't attribute who said it, but it's that idea about how values or lessons when it comes to kids can't always be taught, they can be caught. Oh, Have you okay. heard that I line? Yeah, yeah. That idea that, you know, you could moralize to your kid all you want about mm-hmm. integrity mm-hmm. and justice and mm-hmm. good versus bad choices, right. but you sit them down in front of a murder mystery right. and all of and that. It plays out, there. right? You yeah. can, here's the good guy, here's yeah. the bad guy. Yeah. And I think in our souls, so my theory on this, and I've spent years thinking about these things myself, is that If we believe, if what we believe is true, Mm -hmm. that we're created in the image of God, there is something in us that longs toward good, toward Mm -hmm. righteous, Mm -hmm. but it is at war with something evil and dark that we have to constantly resist and fight against and speak truth into the darkness. And I think when we watch murder mysteries, we are watching play out a story that's happening inside of us. You Mm -hmm. know, when Jesus Mm -hmm. said, 
if you even hate your brother, Mm -hmm. it's like you killed him, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And so when we watch a murder mystery, we are actually getting to watch play out the repercussions of hatred. Mm -hmm. And Louise Penny, who we both love, she talks about how murder doesn't happen in a moment. Murder is born in the heart years before, and then it rots and becomes putrid, and then it grows full size and becomes murder. Mm -hmm. And I think it's why, especially for boys, I think— Murder mysteries or maybe war movies or TV shows resonate with that part of themselves that's trying to understand the two parts that are warring within them mm-hmm. as they figure out who who am I as mm-hmm. I become a man and as I choose to use my strength for good and mm-hmm. not evil, as I choose to protect and not bully or attack. I love that movies give us a way for our kids to catch those values instead of us lecturing them about it. So here's a quick aside, because I think we'll pepper a few recommendations throughout the conversation, although this is not ultimately a conversation about, you know, what you should be watching right now. But here's just a little recommendation. I think you might like this, Lisa Joe. Have you seen Foil's War? I haven't. And now I'm excited. Okay. Because now I'm, this is fun for me because we're both going to create lists for ourselves now. I I assign you Foil's War, which is a a (laughs) long-running British television show but the reason I thought of it just now is you mentioned war and, and mystery mm. and these are mysteries set in a time of war set during the um, period of World War II in England and uh, they they bring those two together actually it makes me think maybe I have to look think back and, and kind of review some of the plot lines but maybe my older boy might be ready for Foil's War but I recommend I it to might. you and I will come back at one from a more modern setting um, and an American show called Seal Team Oh. Which my boys love. My 14-year-old, I watch it with him. So, you know, you know your son and how sensitive his heart is. So my 14-year-old is fine watching it. My nearly 12-year-old son, sometimes, I have to be careful with, you know, I read the reviews mm-hmm, of each episode. Mm-hmm. But my 14-year-old, it really hits on all of the things that that he's longing to be. Courageous, independent, a leader, a protector, a good communicator, you know, adventure, all of those things. And so SEAL Team is on CBS. There are, I think, two seasons so far. And Jack said, oh my gosh, like when we watched the trailer of season three together, he was freaking out. Like, <laughs> it's coming, mom, it's coming, it's coming. And But, you know, really at the heart of SEAL Team is a friendship between a group of men. Mm-hmm. And I think for boys, there's something really powerful about seeing that modeled. But then it also models woundedness, what happens when a man is wounded, but not just physically good, yeah. experiences the consequences of war and battle and has to figure out, you know, there's this great scene where they've lost someone close to them and their commanding officer, you know, requires them to go for therapy. Hmm. And this SEAL team are so close, none of them want to go. And so they all go together. Oh. And it's so funny. They're <laughs> like all therapy. literally <laughs> sitting on a couch. And they what they're trying to do is make the therapist uncomfortable, right? Oh. And instead, the therapist is so great. He's like, well, interesting. Classic family dynamic is uh. built up in the team. We've got the father figure here. We've got the mother. <laughs> and the four of these guys like become completely speechless as this therapist clearly shows exactly <laughs> who each of them are and what their roles are but actually opens up then this bigger conversation about what does it look like for healing. Mm. I mean, it deals with post-traumatic stress. It it deals with questions of faith, like how do one of the um, guys in the team is a devout Muslim and he is thinking through what does it mean Mm. in his faith? What does it mean to be fighting? So I just, for my son, we can watch that and then we will have conversations for a whole week afterwards out of that. Um, And on that note, I'll recommend a movie we watched and Now, 
this is a rated R because of the violence, but the film is Black Hawk Down, which mm. is based on a true story that yeah. happened in the U.S. where two Black Hawk helicopters were shot down in Somalia and devastating. It's devastating to watch on every level. So my boys had wanted to watch it for quite a long time, and we had read all the reviews. Um, I will pause here to say an excellent resource is Common Sense Media. Oh, I use that too. We yeah. go there for everything. Mm-hmm. And so I read. It's great because you can read reviews from kids and whether mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. age they recommend and from parents. Um, and my kids are required, if they want to watch a TV show or play a video game or watch a movie, we, we look it up together mm-hmm. on Common Sense Media. Oh, that's good. I haven't done it with my kids. Kids. Why not? We that's do it so with smart. mine. Yeah. And so like SEAL Team, my boys will never watch alone. They always watch with us. Mm. So that's a with. But as opposed to your struggle with family movie night, <laughs> what's great about that is it's a show I want to watch too. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect. Now, obviously, my eight-year-old daughter does not watch that yeah. with us, right? She's yeah. watching, you know, some Barbie show in the next room <laughs> while we watch this. Oh, I've but, got something to say about Barbie. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, we could have a whole conversation about that too. I know. It's funny. I never thought she would watch Barbie sh- Barbie movies, but I've come to appreciate the new Barbie who seems a lot gutsier yeah, than I does. feel like we she used to be. We have a Barbie Pegasus DVD, I think, yes. that is on constant I've totally replay. watched that. Yes, I do appreciate. I kind of have enjoyed Barbie as kind of quite feisty and fierce who really knows herself. <laughs> and Ken is kind of, I feel bad more for Ken, who's just kind of there as her pawn, basically. Uh, but my point is simply finding movies that actually tap into things that you know will resonate with your kids. Mm-hmm. Now, Black Hawk Down was was a hard watch, um, and we took a lot of time preparing them. What I also recommend is I love that we get to watch these at home, so we're not in a movie theater, and we pause quite a bit. So we'll often pause and then have discussion. Like, this is what this character is. This is what's happening historically. Geographically, this is where they're located right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do that a lot. And it also, I help helps break um, up the the stress that's building as you watch oh, a movie. Oh, that's smart, yeah. It, it creates buffer moments right. for the the group to kind of like acclimate and be like, okay, wait, wait, it's it, we can catch our breath. Yeah. We're going to be okay as we keep watching. Because we don't get commercial breaks anymore usually. Right, so, and so yeah. we find building that in, but then building in conversation. So in our family... When you're watching something like a SEAL team or a Black Hawk Down, that is never my kid going to their bedroom watching alone. Mm. We don't have TVs in the bedroom. And when you're dealing with more mature content like that, I strongly believe it needs to be shepherded by a good teacher. And as a parent, that that is one of my things I'm good at. I'm not going to sit down (laughs) and read like Genesis with you, but I'm going to watch Black Hawk Down and and then have an entire conversation with you about what does courage look like? I mean, the guy, when they knew they were literally facing their death and they chose to come and land and stand with their their brothers in arms who'd been shot down and sacrificed themselves so that they could essentially be together and not die alone. I mean, those are conversations that then get you into an entire world of what does it look like to lay your life down for somebody else yeah. that opens up scripture and makes sacrifice at that level come alive um, in a way, it just doesn't when I'm just talking to them about it. So, listen, I'm not advocating Black Hawk Down. I'm just saying find a movie that yeah. speaks the language yeah, that resonates story. with your kid, but be there to act as the interpreter for them. Yeah. So, I have a confession. The Barbie comment reminded me. I don't really ever watch American TV. I can't. I don't ever. <laughs> and the reason is— Hashtag so, British snob, yes. I am. I am. It's true. <laughs> 
So this is probably painting with too broad a brush, but I I think over the years, I just found myself increasingly fret, fed up with watching these stories where the story might have value, but I just cannot buy into the fact that all these ER doctors or all <laughs> these like courtroom attorneys look like Right. Supermodels. Yes. I can't, I just How cannot do, they do have it. That makeup after they've been on call for 48 <laughs> hours. Like, it's ridiculous. I am just distracted by all the actors running around with perfect, gleaming white teeth and perfect hair and perfect makeup and perfect figures. And and it just looks so unreal to me right. that I, I just can't fair. do it. And I think I noticed too, because I started watching more of these uh, mysteries that are, you know, so many of them are done in the UK or uh, just elsewhere in Europe. And the thing I've noticed, I don't know if it says something about us as Americans or if it's if it's just, I, I don't know, I can't even begin to explain it, but uh, my sense is that actors in these other places just look more real to me. It seems mm. to be that there's an acceptance for just n- normal, normal looking like people. Normal, I know, like ordinary people <laughs> right, like us. Right. Yeah, people and you I can think, see yourself in. Yeah, so I do. I love, I, and t- I, they I love these been glammed up. Ordinary. Yeah, yeah. I, I need ordinary looking right. people if in my to. shows. And I really love how then I feel like for me, the the power and the magic almost of art of storytelling does its work because mm. then the, these actors who maybe from the first few scenes I was distracted by the slightly crooked teeth or the slightly weird this or that but because as the story works itself out all of a sudden they look so beautiful to me mm. you know and it's because of the story that they're telling and I, I just I see them differently I feel like I see the character that they're portraying and I see deeply into them if they're a good actor. And I think that is, I mean, that's how the world works, right? Right, because the whole question is, what is it preaching to you? Yeah. And so there's this lie sometimes that's being preached that, sure, women can be powerful in a courtroom if they're also really, really attractive. Yeah. <laughs> and that's know? a lie. And it's yeah. just a lie. Yeah. Or, um, you know, if someone is unattractive, that means that they are the mean person or, you know, the the villain right, of the series, right. which and isn't that is true either. a lie, yeah. Right, and I think you and I have talked about it. I mean, as a culture, it's one of the things we're deconstructing together, this myth about women and the roles they play, mm-hmm. the truths we believe that come from Ooh, them. Yes, uh, I, have a, I have a show to tell you about. Um, just So here's an exception. it's an American show. Yeah, Thank you I, very much. I think that's why I was so, um, so yeah, yeah, almost surprised to, to tell you is that I saw this new show advertised on Netflix called Unbelievable. And I don't know why it caught my eye. I think I'd heard an interview with one of the actors. And so I had a sort of sense of what it was about. Um, I'll have to say the first episode, even the second episode, um, I came very close to turning it off and not continuing. It it deals with very difficult subject matter. So I would encourage everyone, um, you know, especially if violence against women, sexual violence is a trigger for you or a hard thing, like just, you know, maybe move on by, except the the acting, the storytelling, um, the true story it's telling mm. about um, do we listen to women? Do we hear their stories? I've it, it's one of the best best shows I've seen, and and just surprised me. Um, and so, I, you know, part of it is that it was a little bit more like my British mysteries. Right. <laughs> I think I appreciated the character. The premise there is that they are really 
trying to trace back historically Mm -hmm. what happened to lend credibility in the Mm -hmm. criminal justice system Mm -hmm. for women Mm -hmm. who have who are rape survivors right how you know initially the legal system didn't believe them yeah Yeah. and this is the story of the detectives and the women Mm -hmm. who made progress and i think what that kind of storytelling can do what it does for me and this is true of tv shows movies um fiction all kind you know books Um, We talk a lot about empathy, and I'm a big believer in that. And I tend to think of myself as a very empathetic person. Mm -hmm. I'm someone who very easily is inside someone else's (laughs) heart. I I feel as if I feel their feelings just intuitively and very easily. Um, But I realize that that's um, an idea of myself that I need to recall that I, I don't necessarily always have perfect empathy. And so... I have an idea of what it would mean to survive a trauma like that, like these women in this show. And I have, I thought, understood what their experience might be. But I think before watching the show, I still would have said that I didn't really understand maybe why a woman wouldn't report a Mm. crime like that. Mm. Well, a few episodes in, I um, felt just that heavy sense of understanding. Mm. There, There are many good reasons why a woman might struggle to report a crime or to come forward. And I just felt such an just a welling of of um, compassion and admiration mm-hmm. for women who, um, or really anyone who is the victim of a crime or a trauma like that, who speaks up yeah. and shares and tells someone and maybe goes to the therapist or goes to the police or whatever it looks like in their situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so the empathy, I, I, that storytelling gave me, mm-hmm. I feel like is it's a treasure. You know, it's interesting. Some of you that are listening are thinking, oh, my word, how did we go from talking <laughs> yeah. about tea to now talking about sexual violence against women? <laughs> what happened to what the Ordinary? <laughs> um, but I think it's one of those things that's worth unpacking when we think about our ordinary lives and what happens when we turn on the television and what is being preached in our homes. Because mm-hmm. this show, I had also read about it, but chose not to watch it because my background, I spent several years working for the United Nations in their counter-human trafficking department in Ukraine. And so for me, sexual violence against women is something that is very hard to deal with as a reality that I spent years learning about more than I, just stories I wish I did not know Yeah, because they're so hard to carry with you. So to imagine it as something I'd choose to watch on television, yep. my brain can't even process that. Yep, and I, that makes sense. It was great. I was grateful, though, to hear, Christy, how you shared about it, because it seems to me what they are trying to accomplish is countercultural when you compare it to a show like um, Law & Order SVU. Yes, which I which can't watch. Which feels like yeah. somehow they are benefiting a show yeah. like that yep. off the gratuitous, constant retelling of graphic sexual violence against women. Making it entertainment. Yes. And I've actually done some reading on that show, and there are people who've left the show because of that or have complained about, you know, how many different ways are we going to portray horrifying sexual violence against women and then just drape it in the guise of entertainment. So that's not what you're hearing Christy and I say here. We're saying that there might be stories, though, where we find a truth Mm -hmm. that's worth going on a hard journey because the truth itself matters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I think about this, obviously the standard we all talk about is in Philippians 4, 8, where that idea of everything that is good, that Mm -hmm. is right, that is true, Mm -hmm. think on these things, everything that is beautiful, everything that is true. Um, 
But truth is a powerful qual- qualifier there. It doesn't say everything that is Christian think on these yeah. things, right? Everything uh, that's pretty or sweet. Everything that's clean. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, one of the one of my favorite pieces I ever read about this is written by Aaron Moon, who we just love and adore from Instagram. Aaron Moon helps produce the podcast, and she's also the resident scholar for the Bible Binge podcast. And she has this really fantastic article about Game of Thrones (laughs) and um, this idea as Christians, you know, are there some things we shouldn't watch? Mm. And I have to say, I have not seen that show and felt like maybe I I shouldn't. Right. And I haven't, so I haven't watched it either, but I am one of those people who reads a lot about it because Mm -hmm. I love great storytelling Mm -hmm. and I'm interested in the show and, but, you know, have messaged with Aaron to say, but I don't think I could ever watch it because it seems too much for me to watch. But my point isn't, you should watch Game of Thrones or you shouldn't. My point is simply this about things that are true. And Erin wrote this piece that we'll link to in the show notes. And she said, on its surface, I cannot say that Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead or Saving Private Ryan or, you know, whatever the show is, insert here, meets St. Paul's criteria for things to think about aka Philippians 4.8. I would argue that is because we've confused true with clean. Clean says there's no bad language or sex scenes in this movie so I can watch it. When in all actuality, while that Hallmark movie is rated G, it makes you hate the fact that you're single or creates dissatisfaction in your marriage and gives you wildly painful expectations of love, relationships, and what your life should look like. It stirs up jealousy in your heart, but it's clean, so we let it slide. Mm. Not everything that is clean is true, and not everything that is true is clean. I want my stories crackling with truth, and I don't really care if they are clean, mainly because the world isn't clean. Human nature is deeply flawed. Evil exists, and sometimes it looks like it wins. The world is rated for mature audiences, whether we like it or not. Oh, that's good. Isn't that good? Lisa Joe? that makes me think even of our storytelling here on the podcast that mm. I know you and I, one thing we talk about is, okay, is this conversation going to be heavy? Is it going right. to be sad? Is, is it, it too funny? Much? Is it too much? And yeah. we, wor- we worry a little bit. Have we... Have have we been too? Have the, have the episodes been too teary? Do we need something lighthearted? Because and, we're worrying about how people will react, right? right? We like how do we not offend? How do we make sure everybody but if feels our, included? If our storytelling is crackling with truth, yes. then there's going to be laughter sometimes, and there's going to be some yes. crying too. And I and I that's as it should be. And I sometimes think. people might disagree, you know. Yes, and that's sometimes okay. Sometimes <laughs> someone listening right now is thinking, "Why are you talking about this?" <laughs> and I think part of season two, as Christy and I have prayed, we sat out on the front deck of Maplehurst and prayed. One of our prayers has been for truth, Mm -hmm. that we would speak the truth here, because truth lives in the heart of our ordinary daily lives. If we believe, like we talked about last week, that Jesus is the way and that we are on the way, we're also in the truth and the way, the truth, and the life, right? And so, we want to talk about truth wherever we find it, and it doesn't just live in Christian clean stories. Mm -hmm. Truth lives in a world that sometimes know that's most of the time rated mature. Yeah. But so let's balance this out by saying there are some other shows this summer that was really fun, Christy, to take my kids and introduce them to. So shows I grew up watching that they've never seen mm. and that I admit, and I don't know if I should be proud of this fact or ashamed, that my children then binged this entire summer. <laughs> so um, here are a few of them. Psych. 
I don't know if anybody remembers that show. And it's funny because when it started, it's so dated now that the graphics, as my kids are always like, the graphics are really bad. But um, it then got more and more modern as you continue. Mm-hmm. But Psych is this funny story about this guy whose father is a detective and has told him to have these very keen powers of observation. So when he walks into a room, he can notice like who was wearing that hat and who had a limp and who didn't pay their bill. And like, you know, in a sweep of the room, mm-hmm. he picks up all these details. Very Sherlock Holmes. Very Sherlock Holmesian. Yes, except he's this quirky character who's a misfit and he has a best friend and they are so funny together. And he ends up getting this job in the police department because um, in order to explain how he could come up with all of these conclusions, he tells them he's a psychic. Oh, <laughs> which of course he isn't. <laughs> but because he's told it one time, he has to stick with it because he thought it would be funny one time. And so the show is called Psych and it's a pun, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Like Psych, got you, except he's also pretending to be a psych- psychic and it's super funny. All of them are mysteries, but like low grade. You don't have to worry about, you know, gore or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So my kids loved it. Even my eight-year-old watches it. The Office, we introduced them to the joy Mm -hmm. that is The Office. (laughs) The Simpsons, Parks and Recreation. (laughs) They made their way through all of those episodes. Oh, oh, and then I knew you and Jonathan would be very, very proud of me because they also watched the entire, I'm embarrassed to say how many seasons there are, they watched the summer King of the Hill. Oh, Texas. <laughs> Texas. <laughs> one of my kids actually has uh, some speech s- speech things he's working on. And when he's tired or not communicating clearly, I always tell him, Micah, you sound just like Boomhauer. I cannot <laughs> understand you right now. <laughs> Help me out, buddy. <laughs> but when we look at um, what's upcoming on television and things that we're anticipating, I just recently discovered the BBC show, The Durrells in Corfu. Oh, so funny, John. And I there's love a that new one. season of that we think coming that's actually based on this real family mm-hmm. who one of the oldest sibling became a famous writer and the youngest sibling became a very famous naturalist. Um, and it's just the story about a family that relocate from England to the Isle of Corfu. So <laughs> you can imagine for yourselves. Antics and Antics and two. <laughs> I was literally going to say that sentence. Um, then another show that I just actually watched the first episode of last night is called Bluff City Law. I love it because it has Jimmy Smits in it, who I like very, very much. Mm-hmm. And he is an attorney. He's one of those attorneys. Uh, I don't think he's too much of the beautiful people. He's He feels more real he does, to me. Yeah, he does, that works. That's I okay. like him. And he <laughs> is kind of, you know, a justice human rights crusader and his daughter comes to work with him at his firm so i think that was a lot of fun but then i have shows that i revisit over and over again Mm -hmm. um anything by aaron sorkin i'm just gonna watch it a million Mm -hmm. times because he's my favorite writer love his writing and i think he writes a lot of truth and i think one of the things i love about him my favorite show he ever did is called studio 60 Mm -hmm. on the sunset strip i I talk about it any interview i give I love it for many reasons, but one of them is that he sets up this very unique dynamic where the two key protagonists, the guy, and he's the showrunner and writer for sort of a Saturday Night Live comedy sketch show. He is um, a very outspoken atheist or even agnostic. And the woman he's in love with is an evangelical Christian. (laughs) And she's the lead actress on the show. And I just love that dynamic um, and the conversations they have and how it teaches us that we can both disagree and mm-hmm. love one another. That was something else I appreciated about the new show, Unbelievable. Um, two detectives, one of them is a Christian, and it just is portrayed as very real and normal, and they're back and forth, um, even though they're very different, and yet they can have a good relationship. I just don't think you see that portrayed on 
on uh, television too often. So I appreciated that. If you're looking for another show to watch with kids, I have really loved Bear Grylls, anything that he does. He, he's the British guy who's former special forces and he, you know, Boy Scout and, but he does these nature survival shows essentially. Oh, that sounds fun. Have you never heard of no, him? No, I haven't. What? I promise you that your <laughs> boys know who he is. Okay. Okay. He is like, He's like a grown-up Boy Scout. He is actually a believer, huh. but that isn't. It's not a Christian show. Mm-hmm. But he's a believer, and um, but he does he does all these shows like Man versus Wild, and his most recent iteration is called Bear Girls Running Wild, Running mm. Wild with Bear Girls, and then he takes a celebrity with him. <laughs> oh, and it is so interesting because here you have these people who are taken out of their cloistered yeah. environment. And dropped in the middle of nowhere with him. Oh and it's gosh. a two-day adventure where they have to forage for food and they have to cross crazy frozen rivers and drink pee. I oh, mean, no. it's crazy what they do. But what's so beautiful about it is it reminds me again and again why we love art, why we love movies, mm. because it provides a setting in which somebody has taken someone famous under their wing and just chosen to love them. That Aww. is what he does. He wow. just, my favorite episode is the one with Zac Efron, uh-huh. right as Zac was coming off of High School Musical. And Zac Efron is so excited to be with Bear Girls. He's like, me and my dad have watched every one of your shows together. And he's like giddy. And they do these insane, unbelievable rappelling down cliffs and stuff. But then at night when they're around the campfire, Bear Girls can ask questions like that Jimmy Fallon couldn't get away with oh. because they're in the middle of nowhere. Wow. And Zac Efron just opens up to him about fame and Bear just listens and empathizes mm-hmm. and says that must have been hard. And then at the end, like tells Zach how proud he is of him. <laughs> and you just watch this heartthrob just like beaming at the approval of someone he admires. And so mm-hmm. for me and my kids, it has been a way to teach them about how our heroes are human too and how they make mistakes, and how sometimes the best way to witness to somebody about Christ is to be willing to enter into their story and to love them. And I think that's what great TV does. It gives us an access point Mm. to understand as human beings what we look like when we're at our worst, what we look like when we're at our best, and how Christ models what it looks like to love people in the midst of that. And then it gives us a common vocabulary for the world around us to unpack a lot of those ideas together mm-hmm. without demanding they be something else, but meeting them where they are. Yeah, I think it gives us a map, doesn't it? We oh, talked about that last week, you know, how we feel like we don't know where we are, where we're going. And how can we um, understand the shapes of our own stories, mm-hmm. the story that, you know, this great author is helping write with us, if we aren't familiar with Stories with a little S, you know, all the stories and the shapes that stories can take. And so, whether it's TV or Agatha Christie novels, right. you know, we get familiar with with story. Right. And it's the power of understanding, once again, the battle of good versus evil, mm-hmm. the old, ancient, oldest story of them mm-hmm. all. And I think there's a comfort in those shows that show us that good wins. There's yeah. something about learning that at the end of the day, Evil is defeated, whether it's the te- detectives who track down the killer yeah. or, or um, whatever that looks like, there's something that is in a loop in our mind reiterating the ancient promise, yeah. right? That Jesus will come, that he has won, that he has defeated evil. 
um, and that there will be a reckoning and that we can trust him with that. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, it helps us get small reflections of the end of the story that we're all living. And Mm -hmm. we all need that comfort of knowing we're going to be okay. He's going to make sure that we're okay at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening today and you have enjoyed this, we would love you to reach out to us on social media. You can hit me up at Instagram at Lisa Jo Baker or Christy. At Christy Purifoy. And tell us what you are watching this fall. Help us find some good new shows. We'd love to know (laughs) what you're listening to. Even if they're American. Okay. (laughs) I'll give it a try. There you go. Even if they're American, make sure you let us know what you're watching so that we can watch along with you and share a joint conversation and story. Did you enjoy these stories? Why don't you join the conversation? Take a moment and leave us a review. It's easy. Just scroll down in whatever app you're listening on, click on review, and tell us who you are, what you loved about us, and let us get to know you a little bit too. Today's featured review is from Shayana. Throughout a recent week-long stay in the ICU, and now that I'm healing at home, this podcast has been so comforting. Christy and Lisa Joe have such soothing voices, beautiful stories, and a lovely friendship that they share. I seriously cannot imagine what I would have done during those intense, pain-filled hours without them there with me. And from Shmamey318, I have a million more podcasts I'm interested in than time to listen to them all, but... When I go to catch up, this is often the first one I turn to. Christy and Lisa Joe are so pleasant just to listen to, and their stories are poignant, thought-provoking, and beautiful. Love their conversations so much.